On the podcast this week, Kelly and I, hello, Kelly. Hello, Eric. We'll respond to reader and listener questions and opinions about cardoons, medlars, and upscale hipster toilets. Before we get to that, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers, Dan F., Heather E., Lynn G., K., Scott G., Kellyan, Stephanie, Erica R., Kelton M., Kyle P., Nicholas H., Eric of Garden Fork, and supporters Michael W., Dutch Girl, and Johan. If you'd like to become a patron and make an ongoing pledge to support our podcast and blog, you can find a link in the show notes and on the right side of our blog at rootsimple.com. Well, it's been a little while since we've heard from Kelly on the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, I'm alive. Proof of life. What's I'll going, hold up a newspaper. What's going on with you? How's your health? My health is is much better than probably last time I was in public <laughs> or on I the podcast. You were, you was were I on, on the, the podcast? podcast with someone, Yeah, no, you? but didn't we have... Oh, I can't remember. Anyways, a few episodes back. Yeah, but... You've um, been getting some exercise. I am. I'm. You come uh, to the gym with me. I come several times a week. <laughs> I go to the YMCA with Eric, which makes him happy. It's kind of a triumph because he's such a YMCA fan, and um, I've been not such a fan. But now I'm a YMCA fan. I go there and I lift weights, trying to get the strength in my back and chest back. And um, uh, I've got this uh, dog now. Yes. What kind of dog do you it's have? It's a Saluki. And what is a Saluki? A Saluki is the other is question. A, really skinny smart obnoxious dog mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a sometimes they're called persian greyhounds um he's mistaken for a greyhound sometimes when we're out people say what is that some kind of mix between a greyhound and a something but no he's a purebred he's a saluki um that i got because uh he comes from oh he's up on the counter trying to get to our really good loaf of bread right now eric we're in a bad state because we're locked um, we, we've, we're locked up with three animals, two cats and this puppy and um, everyone is wandering. Everyone around is right really now. close. like the two cats are very close to the mics and the puppy is annoyed because we're not paying attention to him, so he's looking for trouble. And he's in the kitchen he, looking for trouble. Do you need to go look- take care of that? No, I think he's okay, really. I think he's just acting out um, and he'll calm down once he realizes we weren't going to come after him. But the the Saluki is my um, health plan, basically. I realize if I have a a, um, a puppy to chase around, it keeps me active. It keeps it gets me like on the floor and reaching under the couch and doing all these things that long I, walks too. and uh, and very long many walks. Uh, long. I walk about three miles a day with him at this point, and it should be more because he's so athletic and he's got a lot of energy to burn. Um, but I was feeling like an old lady, like I was all contracted and not wanting to, like all of a sudden I was very sympathetic with my elders who are like, you know, who find it hard to bend over and pick something off the floor and have no desire to get on their knees or anything like that. Um, it all started to seem very, very difficult and having him around, uh, it's still difficult actually to get on my knees and dig under the couch, but much better than it was even, like when I first got him, which was about four months ago. Uh, so he's he's done a lot for my healing, although he's really up the chaos level in the house a lot. <laughs> he's, yep. a, he's a sight hound, so he's not like a normal dog. He's sort of like, I always say he's half deer and a quarter, um, like a quarter cat. But sometimes I just think of him as a my pet coyote. <laughs> he's, a, he's a strange one. 
but I really like him. All right. And we have the cat still here wandering around. And the cats have to put up with him. And uh, Mr. Buck, our, our alpha cat, just bosses, bosses him, around. him around in the funniest way. I find the, the cat chasing him around the house. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's great to see a cat chasing around something four times its size. Or, or at least more four than times. That. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, well, we have uh, some reader uh, emails that I've been very bad about getting back on. They're months old, but uh, I thought we, you know, we, we, we would read them and uh, respond to They're them. They're all good questions. So. All excellent questions. One actually is a, not a question, but a set of tips. Yes, but very helpful tips. Very helpful for tips. For people who live with cardoons. Cardoons. And a cardoon is, Kelly, is a relative of the artichoke. It's a relative of the artichoke, but it's considered a weed. It's considered a noxious invasive weed. Invasive weed. Invasive um, in some places, especially, I think, in Northern California. I mean, they well, it, everywhere. Everywhere. I, think, I don't know where, what, it, we should have looked up its growing range. Does it grow it's, where it's, it freezes? Well, it's a Mediterranean plant. It is a Mediterranean yeah, plant. Yeah, so it does grow, I think. You know, it's a it's like a giant thistle in a way. Like, yes. I mean, thistles do grow everywhere, um, but artichokes don't. Um, so wherever artichokes grow, cardoons grow. Well, I think the question is whether it's perennial or annual, and I think people can grow them as an annual yes, in a yes. uh, cold place. And, and people who do, I mean, Italians eat them, and they tend to, you know, harvest them when they're quite young and tender. Um, but like when they're a weed, they're um, just ginormous bushes they can be almost as tall as you are uh and then they have these artichoke like their their flowers look like small artichokes sort of they and they they or very large thistle blooms big pur- purple they're, things they're very pretty they're very actually. pretty and the bees like them a lot but they release cabillions of seeds and then you just you just end up with fields here of cardoon. in los angeles it's a perennial very yeah, aggressive. Perennial. We have a stand of cardoon in our front yard. It's, I don't know, ten that, years old now. It, yeah, and I don't like it. I always want to take it out, but Eric has this odd fondness for it. So it's one of the things we argue about. I'm yeah. like, can that cardoon go? And he goes, no. And so it it just um, hangs out in our front yard. And you eat the stalk rather than the flower. Part. We've never, to be clear, eaten our weedy no, cardoon because we it's time. big and woody. We um, actually tried unsuccessfully, but it, which is which brings us to uh, Jeff. Uh, who wrote us, and uh, he says, Hello and greetings from sunny Colorado. Upon coming across your interesting webpage on Sinara, uh, i.e. Cardoons, I was inspired to respond with some observations based on my own experience in growing and preparing what is certainly one of my longtime favorite vegetables. Actually preferring it for several reasons over its close cousin, the artichoke. That's quite the statement. Besides, in general, being easier to grow here in Boulder County, Colorado, Sonora, when properly field-blanched, is about 80% edible by weight in its initial and only season, versus only about 20% for artichokes, which require overwintering for full production in the second season. Oh, see, that's interesting. This is, this is winter talk, which we don't know which nothing is about. It's foreign to us, yes. So I guess there's a way to overwinter. Jeff is saying there's a way Well, there's a, a lot of interesting tidbits in there. When properly yeah. field blanched, which I think that's when they put like the cloches over. Uh, no, is well, it you, field tie them, you tie them up with a sheet or something. Um, they're, but they're, they're, and then you put something around them. Yeah, so you, they, you tie them up. Yep. So that they don't get the sun, exactly. so they stay like white and tender. Right. That's, so that's he's saying if you if you do that to sort of pre-tenderize yeah. them, then you you can eat their stalks essentially, right. whereas right. you could not eat the stalks of an artichoke. Right. You don't remember, but I actually did that once. But yeah, no, I do. Yep. But it wasn't all that impressive. <laughs> no. And it, well, continuing with Jeff's letter here. As far as preparation for the table is concerned, you certainly are correct to boil, simmer the hell out of it. 
Actually, uh, one would be hard-pressed to overcook it, which is a virtue in making stews in a crock pot, for example, whereas the artichoke would have long since turned to mush. What I found uh, that worked well with Sonara was to, before boiling simmering, flash saute the cut pieces in grapeseed or avocado oil at medium-high heat in a wok until they are lightly caramelized. Besides somewhat reducing the subsequent time on the boil, it gives a slightly roasty flavor to the finished product. After this, you could also sauce, season it, and then finish it with a baking stage, moussaka or lasagna style, perhaps. When handling the often spiny shoots, it is, after trimming the top and bottom, (laughs) expeditious to carefully longitudinally trim the edges of each length before cutting into the two-inch piece. The variety I'm growing now... Uh, you can close the picture, actually, is Porto Spineless, which reduces the hazards to a fair degree. I hope you found this in- oh, worthwhile. Bon appetit. Sincerely yours in the garden, Jeff. Thank, Thank you, you Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. That's, that's a really nice letter. Yeah, that's a lot of very good advice. A lot of good information in there. For growing a... This, like, this is an indestructible plant. I mean, I don't know how it is in all places and climates, but, I mean, if you want to grow, like... I don't survival food, you know, well, food that will not fail on you. I, I think a, a cardoon would be way up high on my list of foods that do not fail. I have this theory that the harder it is to cook, the easier it is to grow. It seems to be the case, you know, for this well, thing it's has... closer to the wild. I mean, the wild things, the wild. all exactly. wild foods are harder to cook. They're stronger yeah. flavored, they got more inconvenient parts, pointy bits Clean and those hard spines. Those spines are the wicked. The spines are wicked. Yeah. They are wicked. Um, I always get them in me when I'm trying to trim back our, our pet cardoon in the front yard. But it, Jeff is... Uh, you know, he has some good points here. It it is highly prized in Italy. I know that it's yes, one that, of the that variety that he uses the Porto spineless. That sounds like a seeds from Italy variety. Yeah, but also cardoons in general are, um, you know, it's a delicacy there. I yes. think it's something that it, it all, they they have to, that artichoke flavor. I guess do. we should say um, because that's not obvious. Um, they so um, whereas with an artichoke, you know, we we uh, focus on the flesh of the leaf of the petals. I guess they are um, to get that flavor. You're getting the artichoke flavor out of the stalk, so it's a little bit like celery, which is artichoke flavor. They have a bitter uh, tinge too, which is a you know another thing in Italian cuisine. They, they appreciate the bitter, yeah. whereas the American palate tends to not Although appreciate maybe if you, the bitter as much. I'm wondering if you blanch the, them. I think the blanching is... some of the bitterness It does. Out. It yeah, does. Probably. And then the long cooking would as well. And also it does the important job of softening them because they're pretty tough. Yeah. Anyways, well, thank you, Jeff, for all those really great tips on um, on Cardoon. And I, I would... I mean, it's, it's a controversial plant here because of the invasive thing, but I do have to say it is very pretty. And it, it looks like an artichoke, but it's a little easier to grow than artichoke. It just in my does. I mean, the one in our front yard is growing without assistance, yeah, of it, any sort. Well, it, I think it's or it maybe sucks up a little water from one of from the trees, the trees maybe. maybe. Yeah, but from the watering for the trees. Yeah, so, it, but it didn't make it through a pretty bad drought without, which sort of laughed it off. It was <laughs> doing really well. I mean, on the on the invasive aspect of it, if you are diligent and cut the the uh, flower heads off. Maybe you could let them bloom. You could actually bring them in as a cut flower. Or be, you could let them bloom for the bees, but yeah, just cut them off before, before they, they go, go to seed. seed otherwise, then, your yeah, neighbors will be hating exactly. you. Exactly. But yeah, and, this falls under weed eating, which is always a good idea. Yep. yep. So that's yeah. uh, 
That is uh, cartoons. All right, so on to the next question is from Peter, and it's about medlars. So what's a medlar, Kelly? Oh, gosh. Well, medlar is a, is a fruit that is somewhat rare yeah. these days um, because it's pretty much not shippable. It yeah. used to be more popular. in the, Well, in the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, popular. it was popular. In the Middle East, it is popular, right? It, yes. it, it's um, in places where it grows. Which leads to this question uh, from Peter. And he says, I was searching for novelty fruits, and I saw your Medlar fruit post. I think and we have one of the few Medlar fruit we do. posts on the internet. Um, well, and there's another. There's a nice Medlar story we can tell, too. But back yeah. to Peter's letter. I know this is not the season for Medlar fruit, but I am looking to buy a box full when they are available. Where I grew up, my family had a Medlar tree, and I liked the fruit very much, but I have not seen, heard, or had any in over 70 years. Therefore, I am wondering if you grow and sell them, or if you know where I can get some. I see they sell trees, and those trees produce fruit, but I can't seem to be able to find where to buy them. I'd appreciate getting a reply. Thank you. It's well, tough. that's a tough one. I, yeah. I wrote to Peter, and I said, try, if you live near an Iranian community, you may be in luck, because uh, the, the, the Medlar story we have actually began because we were at our friend Craig's place. Craig was on the podcast many episodes ago. And Craig used to own a cabin in a remote part of the Tehachapis here in Southern California. And we stayed at his cabin, and he knew had a neighbor at the cabin who had, of all things, a medlar grove, which is very odd. And we went and did the medlar harvest, which was pretty hilarious because <laughs> medlar is about the easiest thing that you can imagine the harvest. It's always sort of like at hand level, the, the very small, small trees. trees. Yeah. And uh, the trees have to... The fruit has to slightly blet, which blet. led to a lot of joking about bledding <laughs> medlars, that we could hear the medlars bledding, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> there, and, the blet means, it's, it's like rot, essentially. Well, well it's um, ripened. Soften. Soften. You yeah. know, like um, uh, you know, the persimmons that need to be soft. Exactly. That's bledding. Now, when a medlar blets, it turns into a delicious apple, spicy cinnamon applesauce flavor. It's kind of like, yeah, spicy applesauce. It's amazing, It's actually. strange, but it's completely inedible when it's hard. So yeah. you have to just hover around the tree, pick it when it's perfect, eat it on the spot, preferably. <laughs> I mean, they don't keep, they don't ship. The The bledding goes bad really fast. So that's why it's you, you just so hard to buy it anywhere. You have to have your own tree. And as I remember correctly, Craig harvested it um, and then we, he took it to the Santa Monica Farmer's Market, I think. Which is where a very shishi farmer's market. A very fancy farmer's here. market where it caused a... Um, riot? Riot almost <laughs> because people were so... Chefs especially and people of Middle, Middle Eastern, Eastern descent origin. were very, yeah, they were very, like, oh, very excited to see it. And and rightly so because it is a very, very good tasting fruit that you almost never see. Uh, it's one. It's something that should be brought back. Um, I, I should also add, it's a member of the rose apple family, so that's um, yeah. you know it has a familiar flavor. Um, but it's it's something that you know since you can't buy it, basically you have to grow it. So I asked Peter if he, you know, I said you want to grow it, and um, if so, if you're in California, there's the California Rare Fruit Growers, uh, an amazing organization at crfg.org, and I'm sure that someone in that group has a tree and can prop and is probably propagating them. Uh, barring that, um, there's the Rain Tree Nursery in the Northwest, which does mail order. So you can mail order 
medlars as well. Um, what is their growing uh, needs? Well, um, I think Craig tried to grow them in Winnetka here in um, L.A., which is a little colder than where we are. I think they get a frost well, it's hotter, there. It's hotter, hotter in the summer yeah. and colder in the winter. I think that's kind of what you need. I th- I do, think, they need do they need a frost? I think that is probably assists in the bledding, I'm going to guess, that's which is the common. same with rose hips. Yeah. Uh, rose hips also benefit from a frost yeah. to uh, soften up a little bit. Oh, I'm going to guess that's uh, one of the requirements, but um, I can uh, link. But could sh- you grow them in a temperate climate, like on the East Coast? I or? would have to Google that. Yeah, we, maybe, we didn't, uh, we're poor researchers. Yes, yeah, so I should have looked that up. Because, I mean, I think of it as a Mediterranean fruit, but maybe it's from like the mountain mountainous areas where it does get cold at night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, worth if if your climate matches the medlar, I would I would have one. It's also a very small tree, so it can fit in a small space too. Yeah, yeah. it's worth you know having in your collection if you if you dig growing fruit. Yeah. All right. Now the last question comes from Mike and Heather in Washington D.C. It says, "Hey, we love your podcast and enjoy your posts regularly." We are in the Washington, D.C. area, but my parents live in Westchester in L.A., so I was thrilled last year to be turned on to the community oven by you guys. We go there and make pizza every day, every time I'm visiting. Uh, Side note there on that is um, I run uh, with some other folks, the Los Angeles Bread Bakers, and there's a community oven in Westchester at Holy Nativity Episcopal Church, and uh, there is a monthly pizza party there, which everyone is welcome to. So if you're in in the Southern California area, sign up for the Los Angeles Bread Bakers and Meetup, and you'll find out when those events happen, and you should come. You You can bring dough, right? You can bring dough and make your own pizza. Can can you make a loaf of bread? You can make a loaf of bread. There's Um, just a big clay oven there that's all fired up and ready to go. You don't have to do either of those. You can also just... just, hang around and eat free pizza, (laughs) which is what I do. Oh, there's a cat fight right in front of us right now. There's a cat fight on the table between us. Yeah, so uh, anyway, and you could could just go to Trader Joe's and get their pre-made pizza dough, and that's (laughs) totally fine, too. I I don't want people to feel like they need to be like expert bakers or something. Yeah, or you could bring something else if you feel guilty about just kind of stealing the free yeah, pizza. Exactly. Like you bring a salad or bring some, some dessert. Some People will be or really or bring yeah. some toppings. It's a fun event. It's every month. It's a nice place. It's a nice place. It's there's not, a community it's not garden. It's not churchy if you're afraid of churches. Yeah, exactly. There's there's like a yoga studio and a community right. garden and right. some there was rabbits last time I was there. There's Good a, place there's for a kids rabbit. to run yes, around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah you should uh, definitely think about going. Anyways back to back to the letter where that's <laughs> that a, was that's an a aside. What was long, the letter about? Well we're gonna get to the meteor letter here. Anyway, we are adding a small addition to our house, coincidentally a 1930s home that could likely be found in a catalog, is referring to the um, Pacific Ready Cut catalog that I linked to of, of uh, pre, uh, pre-cut homes. Anyways, I'm, I keep getting uh, off the letter here, <laughs> including a half bath. I remember that you talked in your podcast about choosing the Eco Promenade toilet last year. <laughs> choosing. Would you recommend it? Keep up the good work, Mike and Heather. Yes, uh, Kelly makes a joke about choosing because you want to tell the story of how we ended up with the um, 
Eco Promenade well, Toto we, Toilet. It sounds like a cruise ship, by the way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. The it's a it's a toilet by Toto. Eco Promenade deck. Yes, exactly. So, how did we end up with well, an Eco Promenade toilet? A, we had a toilet that we had installed in our bathroom when we remodeled it that looked like an old fashioned toilet. That was why we got it. That's why it looked, it looked like, like, a like an old toilet. retro toilet that matches our retro old bathroom, black and white. It was pretty short. But there was something about it that lended itself to clogging. We don't need to get graphic here, but that yeah. thing clogged all the time, so much so that we own a a um, toilet router. Is that what it's called? A uh, corner auger, I believe. Corner Is that what that's auger. called? The thing you use for unclogging like a toilet. Our, uh, like the first time it happened, the plumber came out and said, you know, I could come out here for 100 bucks a pop every time this happens, or you could buy yourself a corner auger. <laughs> so we did. And... Um, and Eric became a specialist at augering out this toilet. And for some reason, we just lived with this, like it was inevitable that one's Constant toilet should clogging. clog, you know, a couple times a month, um, as if that was okay and normal. And um, we, our friend John, who... Um, well, who was on the podcast as well. Con- he's, um, architecturally, he's, he's an architect- has an architecture background. Yeah, he's a he's a guy who gets things done, basically, and doesn't like he's handy these sort too. of inefficiencies. And... And I think after he clocked our toilet, yeah, he was over like, here for lunch. I think, <laughs> and, and he was just like, "This is ridiculous. Why do you live like this?" And he literally ordered us a new toilet, and against our will, against actually. our will, we were like, "We don't need a toilet. Our toilet's fine. It's you know, it's not that old." And he's like, "It doesn't work." And this is the toilet I have. And I think you said, hand have. me a laptop. And he literally just sat there and, and ordered a toilet and, and then, then called his, his plumber, Carlos. And, ha- and made an appointment for Carlos to come over and install it. So <laughs> we were just like, oh, okay. And we got a new toilet. And it was a good thing. It was a good thing. Toto has a good reputation. Yes. And uh, it, is a very, it is a much better toilet than the um, retro one that we had. It yeah. does not clog. Except under duress. No, well, <laughs> it's too much information. <laughs> but it, it TMI. Clog, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not clogging all the time. And, but, you it know, is we low have, flow, too. It's lower it's, flow than the yes, thing it replaced. Yes, so we're yep. saving water. It was, um, and again, we had no say in this, but it, it's a tall toilet. Yeah, that we didn't, I don't think John knew that either. It was. I mean, he might a, have just clicked on it. I think there's option for the lower and the taller. Is there? I think there is. I think mm. Toto makes both. But the Eco Promenade is, is a tall only toilet. Tall? I think so. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. He had strong views on the elongated bowl, which also can't be discussed <sighs> oh, on a God, family show. No. But so it has an elongated bowl, there. and it's and it's tall. So that's that was different. Our old toilet was squat and round. Oh, now the dog and the cat are fighting. Oh, the the dog's the cat's chasing the dog. The dog looks shamefaced. Yeah, the cat's not back. The dog is backing down. Oh, the dog is running away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back. But we to don't the have toilet. much time before blood flows. Um, so anyway, this, uh, it's a tall toilet, and the point about that is that while at first we were like, "Oh, this is just makes you weak," you know, you should be able to. You know, we should be squatting. You know, it should be lower. You know, we're gonna. You know, but I was actually extremely glad after my heart thing to have a tall toilet because if we had had the lower toilet, I couldn't have gotten off that thing by myself in my weekdays. So, surgery. in short, this is a good toilet for um, older, older people, people or, or disabled with... people or maybe even just tall people because yeah. both of us are pretty tall, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I was really grateful for it. 
just that I could get on and off it by myself because I didn't want Eric hauling me off the toilet <laughs> every time. It doesn't have the cool retro look of the old toilet. No, Although it looks it, more it, modern. I mean, it's not... Not super modern, though. Yeah. So it, it, does, it fits in a 1920s kind of bathroom. It's neutral. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's not offensive to the eye, but it doesn't have no. that cute 20s look that the old one had. No, but it, then again, it works. The other thing Carlos <laughs> yeah, discovered yeah, was, was my terrible toilet installation job there was a gap and it was leaking for years so like leaking slowly yeah and into the wood the under the, rotting the floor which our floor is tiled so if the floor yeah if the toilet had collapsed through the floor that would have been bad enough but we also would have lost the whole tile job so so in short sometimes it's good to hire professionals professionals are I good think for that some things plumbers are when you should when you need plumbing work you should hire a plumber from for the most part mm -hmm. i mean I can do plumbing work in a sort of, uh, I don't know, um, uh, apocalyptic scenario or, or how, how to put this if I have to. I you mean, can aug out a toilet. I certainly, well, that everyone should be able to do. That's but, something um, everyone should have one of those yeah, things. But installing toilets, maybe call someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Electricians are a good idea. Electrician, too. yeah, definitely there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think. Changing a light fixture is okay, but beyond that, definitely call an electrician. Don't want to burn your house down. All right. Well, um, so, yeah. so yes, Toto Eco Promenade, something to consider. Or mm -hmm. the other Toto. Oh, we should get sponsored by Toto. Yeah, dang. Right? Yeah. Anyways. We should not be saying so much about them for free. This I is know. a capitalist society. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, anything else, Kelly? Uh, I think that's all. All right. Well... Uh, thanks again to our Patreon subscribers for supporting this podcast. To leave a question for the Root Simple Podcast, call us at area code 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. And you see, we actually do it every once in a few years. We respond to those. So uh, keep <laughs> uh, don't let that discourage you. Send some questions in. We like answering questions. We are Root Simple on Twitter. You can have our podcasts automatically downloaded for free by subscribing in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, please share this podcast in that dreadful thing called social media. Oh. You can support the Root Simple podcast through our Patreon campaign or through a one-time PayPal donation. You can find those links on the right side of our blog, which is rootsimple.com. You can also purchase one of our books through the Amazon links on our website. Oh. <laughs> this is an awful, corrupt world. Uh, <laughs> These are terrible things. No, no. <laughs> this is awful. We have to navigate it somehow. <laughs> On our theme, our theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.